in the world. Ten of the most famous instructions, the famous words, we know them as the Ten Commandments. We kind of picture them maybe in the arms of Charlton Heston or someone like that, right? The original Moses, the best Moses. Well, I mean, second best Moses to the actual Moses, Charlton Heston. And uh, so we're preaching through these Ten Commandments, and last week we looked at the second instruction, and this week we're going to look at the third. And, and I had several questions from several people last week about the, uh, what does it mean to uh, make a graven image and to use it in worship and that sort of thing. So if you weren't here last week, I'm going to give you like three minutes that you can just take a mental vacation. If you were here last week, let me try to add just a few because of the questions that I got, I thought there, there may have been several things that I didn't make clear or just maybe need to reiterate. So this is not the introduction to my sermon yet. This is the conclusion to last week's sermon. As we talked about, um, I'm in Exodus chapter 10. I kept looking at it like, this just doesn't look like the right passage of Scripture. Exodus chapter 20, the third command, which starts in verse 4, says, You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. I'm going to refrain from re-preaching this passage. Let me just add a few um, uh, points here. I don't believe that this passage forbids all art or artistic representation, right? So, the temple itself would be something that was decorated and adorned with things from nature that had uh, natural beauty. Um, so the temple, the temple was full of art and beauty. God is a God of creative art and beauty, or of beauty. Um, and so I think a summary of this is when an object representing God is used in the worship or veneration of God, that is a breaking of the second commandment. When an artistic representation of God, a a carved image, a painted image, is used in the worship of God, whether it's being directly worshipped, as this is the idol that I worship, or it's being used as a mode, a channel by which to access God or to venerate God, I believe that that is a breaking of the second commandment. So, let me try to give some, some illustrations. This is, this is my best attempt to explain the, this, uh, this instruction as clearly as I understand it. A picture of Jesus that hangs on the wall that you look at while you pray to get your heart and mind in a state of worship, I think that comes dangerously close to breaking the second command. It, it either, I mean, if, if you're worshiping the, the thing, it is break, a breaking of the second commandment. And I think if you're using it in worship, I personally think that that's a breaking of the second commandment. The, the children of Israel made a golden calf as a representation of the one true God. They did not think that the calf was the one true God. It was a representation that they utilized in the worship of the one true God. A crucifix with Jesus on a cross that you use while meditating and praying, I think, is a breaking of the second command. A picture in a children's book is not necessarily 
a breaking of the second command, unless you open that page and look at it and while you pray and, and worship that picture. A cross, such as the one behind me here, which because of your angle, it might look like a plus sign. It's actually, it's actually intended to represent a cross. In a church or a home or an item of jewelry, it, it, it's not an image of God. It's not crafted to represent God. And unless you're using it as an object of worship to enhance your prayer or to worship the thing directly, I don't believe it's a violation of the second command. Now, there, may, there, there are wonderful, godly Christian brothers who, and sisters who disagree with me, and they would, they would think, let's not, let's not get anywhere near breaking the second commandment. We're not going to have any representations of Jesus Christ in theater or in art or in children's books and that sort of thing. And I, I respect that position. I don't think it's an illegitimate position. It's not the position I hold. It's not the position um, that we as a church uh, have held to or have practiced. Um, so I wanted, to, I wanted to add that. So I think there are wonderful Christian people who can disagree on the exact application of this. Um, and uh, and it, I think it's a, it's a respectable position. So uh, the application for this, for you, you would just need to, to, to determine. Is there, so I think there's two questions you have to ask. Is this object intended to be a representation of God or Christ or of the Spirit, and do I bow down to it and worship it or use it in my worship to directly worship and, and venerate the Lord? So a cross with the carving of Jesus on it uh, uh, may indeed be something that would uh, either violate, I think violate, or at least become dangerously close when a person is using it, when a person kneels that. So again, the passage here says, you shall not make this carved image, verse 5, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. So someone kneeling at a cross with a carved picture of Jesus at it, praying, I, I think violates the second commandment. Um, I think that's the, that's the understanding of, the, of what this is intended to teach. Now, if you, have, if you want more on that, uh, you can listen to last week's sermon. You can go backwards um, and, and listen to last week's sermon and catch the rest of it, okay? That's the, if you have questions, you can ask Pastor Will afterwards. Uh, any, any further questions, I turn over to him, okay? Now I'm going to pray to start uh, the, the sermon for this morning. Father, I pray that I would be able to communicate more clearly this week than I did last week. I pray that your word would be clear for us. Lord, I, I do believe, like we've reiterated week after week now, that these Ten instructions are, are given to us from you because you're good and you love us. And these are blessings into our lives. These are how, for, how we can live our best life now by being obedient to these instructions from you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I put this on, but the microphone and everything would get really, well, I'm going to try it. Let me try it. Let's see. Let's see if I can do this. It's a big football jersey, so I think I can, I think I can adorn it. I think this will work. Okay. Now, those of you who know me know, oh, man, this is a mess. I've never put on a jersey over my uh, sport coat, um, and I was thinking I was going to take it off when I was done. I should have practiced this at home before I came. Okay. All right, here we go. I'm afraid I'm stuck in this for the rest of the sermon now. Uh, those of you who know me know that I am a big Texas Tech fan, huge Texas Tech fan. No, I, I'm really, I'm a, I'm a big Tech fan. Uh, I can't name a single player 
ever at tech. I really can't. You, you might name like one or two really, really famous ones that I'd be like, oh yeah, I've heard that name before. But like standing in front of you right now, I, I can't name anybody. Or coach or anyone from tech. But I'm a big tech fan and I haven't watched a tech game in years. Um, and uh, and I've, got, I've got a fair amount of college football uh, clothing, but it's all purple and gold. Um, that's that's just what I, I like to wear. I think purple and gold is nice. It's Dalhart colors, and so uh, you know, I have no idea what Texas Tech's record is. Uh, I don't have any intention of going to another game. I don't have intention of watching any of their games. I'm just telling. Listen, I'm a big Tech fan. I'm I'm a big Texas Tech fan because I went to a game once five years ago. I stayed at Miss Elwin's house back when she used to live. Uh, down there and, and spent the night there and went to the tech game with Matt and Jordan. And, and we, that, that, that part of this illustration is true. Um, uh, but I'm a big tech fan. Uh, and, I mean, if you hung out with me, you, you, the way you would know that I'm a tech fan is um, like sometimes when I stub my toe on something, like it kind of slips out of my mouth and I'll accidentally say like, Texas Tech. When I get angry at someone... I'll tell them to tech off, or I'll say tech darn it. Am I a tech fan? In fact, I'm taking the name of Texas Tech in vain. I'm taking the name of Texas Tech in vain. I'm acting as though I can take the name of Texas Tech, but I live my life as though Texas Tech has absolutely no bearing in my life. And when I get mad, I use the name of Texas Tech as an expletive. I've taken on myself the name of Texas Tech. And you can tell by looking at me that I'm not a Tech fan. And you can tell by listening to me that I'm not a Tech fan. And you can tell by watching my life, he's not a Tech fan. He says he's a Tech fan, but we, like we're Tech fans, we know. And like we're not being proud and we're not trying to be judgmental, but bro... You're not a tech fan. I'm going to try to get out of this. Excuse me one second. It's really hot. Uh, The sport coat is already hot. Okay. I I know the power of a good illustration. I don't know that that was a good illustration. You, You should take the name of the Lord intentionally and meaningfully. Look in your Bibles at Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7. Of the Ten Commands, this might be the one that you and I violate most regularly and in ways we didn't know we did. You shall, verse 7, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God, in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. The main point this morning is this, that you should take the name of the Lord meaningfully. First, let's look at this third word, this third instruction, this third commandment from God 
and understand what it teaches us about God. So point number one, the word, the third word and God. You remember, those of you who have been here a few weeks now, these, what we call Ten Commandments, are really better understood as ten instructions. They're ten ways that God came to his people and he said, listen, I'm going to give you ten um, words, ten instructions for how you can live a life that is blessed by me. Here are these ten words. And we saw that, um, let me see if I can remember my, all my um, hand signals. Uh, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make any graven images. Right, that's someone kneeling down. Uh, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. Thou shalt not kill Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, and thou shalt not covet. All right, I see some of the kids doing it with me. Fantastic. This third command, this third word says that we're not to take the name of the Lord our God in vain. And I want us to do something really technical here for just a minute. Let's just look at the different words that make up this command. Let's just, let's, just, let's just start with what, what is God saying to his people? He says that you, shouldn't, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That, that, what does it mean to take something here in this passage? What does it mean to take? Well, if you, if you take that Hebrew word and trace it out throughout the Old Testament, which is a wonderful way for us to understand what words mean. A lot of times it's, you know, when we want to understand how a word is meant, we, we can look it up in the rest of the Bible and find out, well, where is this word used in other places? How is it used in those places? And it kind of helps us understand. It gives us a little bit of the color of that word. And this, this word is used, well, when we think about taking the name of the Lord in vain, we tend to just limit it to speak. Thou shalt not speak the name of the Lord your God in vain. And I think that's one of the applications, but that's not the clear meaning of what this word is communicating. This word is translated to bear or to carry or to raise or to lift, to, to take it and to, and to carry the name, to bear the name, to, to lift the name. Don't take the name of the Lord our God in vain. So here's here's a basic understanding of to take something is to is to bear it is to uh, is to carry it. To take the name of the Lord, and we could spend we could spend a a, a year of of Sundays <clears throat> talking about the significance of this phrase, the name of the Lord. Th- throughout the scriptures, the phrase the name of the Lord is used over and over and over again. Now we live we live in a culture that gives a little bit of um, meaning to naming children and naming people, right? I mean, there, we do this a little bit. Um, I, I, Angie and I thought a lot and talked about how we were going to name our children, right? So my oldest son, Jay, is actually Jeremy Jr., so he got my name. And then Christiana Hesed and Evangeline Grace and Abraham Glenn, all of them have m- names that we chose very meaningfully. Now, I'm not throwing my parents under the bus, but they named me because they just they were like, we like that name. That, that's the name. I, I was, it was between Doug and Jeremy. And I, I don't know if we have any Dougs in here in, this morning, but you know, the word Doug is it's just the past tense of the word dig. And I'm, so I'm just like, well, I'm, I'm glad they didn't name me Doug. Um, uh, I don't know why my mind always goes there. But, so they named me Jeremy, and for no reason whatsoever other than it was popular at the time, and they liked it. 
Um, many of you have been more intentional. There's, now, there's someone in here, and, and he, he already he knows I'm going to go here. I think, I think he knows I'm going to go here. There's someone in here whose dad, when they gave this man his middle name, was full of confidence for what kind of man this man was going to turn out to be. Right? You, you all know who I'm going to talk about? Dustin Manley Peterson. I love that. Right? I mean, he just gives his son the name Manly, and your, it's your dad's first name, right? Yeah, Manly, right? So, I mean, I think I like your grandfather even more, uh, the, the confidence. If your dad was like, eh, I'll put it, stick it in the middle, and that way, you know, if it didn't turn out quite right, uh, you know, I won't have lost as much face. Yeah, yeah. We, we give names, and, and many of you have given a lot of, you know, family names and that sort of thing. Um, by the way, in 2021, according to one poll, the most popular uh, baby name for girls and the most popular baby name for boys, most popular for girls, and we have one in here, Olivia. And the most popular for boys, which we don't have in here, I don't think, is a Liam. Okay, so Olivia and Liam, again, I Googled it. So according to the World Wide Web, which I think everything on there is believable. So Olivia and Liam. In the Bible, we see, we see names given that have much, much more meaning, right? And in the children's book this morning, we read about Joshua, whose name means Yahweh saves, God will save, which is actually Jesus' name as well. We, we learn about Jacob, right? And his name literally means one who grasps the heel. He was a deceiver, so we know of Jacob as the one who was a deceiver. Nabal, you don't want to name your kid Nabal. Perverse fool. Right, I mean, I don't know what his parents were thinking exactly, but uh, they had a premonition. In the Bible, we see that names that that a name uh, often in the Bible, a name is very intentionally given to connect a person and their character. And names are given by someone to someone else in the Bible. A person of authority gives the like parents name their children adam named the animals the person with the authority is the one who does the naming but who names god no one no one names god because god god is eternal god's name brothers and sisters is the expression of who god is No one named him. And throughout the Bible, the phrase, the name of the Lord, is used over and over to refer not to the Hebrew letters that were to represent the name of God, not to the name G-O-D, not to Yahweh. It's not limited to the name. When the phrase, the name of the Lord, is used, it's used to refer to all the fullness of God. One author says we can substitute the phrase, the character of the Lord, for the phrase, the name of the Lord. The the phrase, the name of the Lord, is referring to God and all of His character, all of His attributes, everything about God. It's, It's longhand for God. The name of the Lord is intended to mean to us all that God is. And this, the name of the Lord, again, is used over and over throughout the Bible. Praise the name of the Lord. And it doesn't mean that somehow we disassociate his name from his being and we're going to, to worship him. We use, we use phrases like this all the time, right? And, and uh, maybe you were at an event and someone said, well, what was the head count there? And they say, well, there were, there were 400 heads, but there weren't 
bodies that was, were just heads, right? Or you walk into a room and you say, I see a lot of new faces. Well, that, that doesn't mean that there were just faces and there weren't people with bodies. We, we're using something to refer to the thing and the person in its entirety and, and the, whole, the whole person. And the name of the Lord is used as a phrase to refer to the entirety of God. And we, we actually, when we pray in Jesus' name, the reason that we're praying in Jesus' name, we pray in the name of the Lord, is we're, we're calling to mind, we're calling to our attention all that God is when we recall His name. The character of Jesus, knowing that Jesus is good and wise and loving, we pray in Jesus' name. And the character of Jesus in the character of God. So the name of God, the name of the Lord is all that God is. So don't bear, don't lift, don't carry the name of the Lord, the character of God, all that God is. Don't, don't take the name of the Lord, your God. Again, still in verse 7, you shall not take the name of the Lord, your God. And again, um, uh, Moses is, is reminding us of this special covenant relationship that God has with his people. He is, he is reminding us um, in verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. God is giving these 10 words, not to every human being on the planet. He is giving these, now every human being on the planet will benefit tremendously from obeying God's 10 words, but he's, he's got a special covenant relationship with Israel, with the nation of Israel, and, he has, um, and he's saying, don't take my name, the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. That word vain, there's another book of the Bible where we see the word vain used over and over and over again. You remember, you remember which book I'm talking about? Yeah, Ecclesiastes is exactly right. And the, the, the preacher, who we believe to be Solomon, in the book of Ecclesiastes talks about how that he lived, he, he had everything in life, but everything was still so vain. And what he, what he meant by that, and what this word, this, this word means empty or meaningless or uh, fleeting, here at one moment and gone the next, it has, no, it has no weight. That's how I want us to think about it this morning. If something's vain, it doesn't have gravitas. It doesn't have weight. It doesn't bring bearing into someone's life. And so what God is giving the, 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 the command here very simply this morning is we're learning about God. The third word in God is this, that God says, don't, don't bear, don't carry my character, all that I am, in relationship with you, don't bear that in a way that is meaningless, worthless, that's not weighty. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And brothers and sisters, why would, why would God be saying this to his people? Well, one reason is be, because they're going to be inclined just like you and I are, we're going to see here, they're going to be inclined just like we are carry the name of the Lord in a way that makes absolutely no impact in their life. Because there is no name greater to carry. Again, he's giving you this command because it's good for you. He wants you 
to take his name. He wants you to bear his character in a way that is weighty and impactful and life-changing and significant. He knows that's good for you. And you're going to be inclined to carry a lot of other names, father, mother, employer, whatever your hobby title is, right? You're going to be inclined to carry a lot of other names in a way that brings a lot of weight into your life. And you're going to be inclined to, to neglect the greatest name with the greatest weight. Number two, the third word in us. And again, it's going to convict us and it's going to instruct us. We, we take God's name in vain. And we've done it already this morning. There are a lot of different ways that we can take the Lord's name in vain. And the first one that comes to your mind is probably not the way we do it the most. I'm going to get to that one in a minute. We can, we can swear falsely by God's name. Leviticus 19.12, You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of the Lord. So when you say, I swear to God, but then follow that up with something that's not false, or that's not true, excuse me. When, when, you, when you swear by the name of God and do so falsely, you profane the name of the Lord. And remember, he says, I will not hold him guiltless who takes the name in vain. We have to be careful here. To swear that you're going to take your kids out for pizza is not a promise that you can keep with absolute certainty. You ever told your kids, okay, tonight we're going to do such and such, and they get fired up, man. They are ready, and then something happens. You get a flat tire. You get sick, and you aren't able, like you had absolutely every intention of doing it, and there are things that we think we have control over, we have to be careful what we promise, what we swear to, what we swear by God's name with, because there are ways in which we do swear by God's name. We swear on the Bible for public office. We swear an oath when we give a testimony in court. We swear to God when we get married, for better or for worse, richer or poorer, in the sight of God and these witnesses, I vow to you this day. Do you know what you're doing? You're saying, I swear to God that I will keep these promises that I'm making to you today. So we, we do this, but brothers and sisters, we must be extremely careful not to swear by his name falsely. Another way that we do this is when we use the name of God in a meaningless way. where we, We're talking about God, the things of God, um, and we have, and there's, there's not the weight of God in our thinking, in our heart, in our living. Um, it's fascinating to me to listen to uh, whether it's a sporting event or the news or um, uh, po po politicians who often invoke the name of the Lord, and you think, yeah, I don't, I don't think that like he's really probably, you know, a follower of the one true God of the Bible, right? I, I thank God for the way our basketball game turned out today. Well, I mean, I, I, get, I get that, that, and that's legitimate. That's okay. But, like, are you, are you carrying the weight of 
God in your life in such a way that... And brothers and sisters, before we want to accuse athletes and politicians for taking the name of the Lord in vain, as we sang this morning over and over about God and His goodness and the goodness of God, was your heart and mind... Were you thinking about God? Were you thinking about the reality of God? Were you really worshiping God when, or were you taking his name in vain over and over and over again? Brothers and sisters, I, I think we take the Lord's name in vain far more than we realize and not in the ways that you all think is taking the name of the Lord in vain. The way that we think about taking the name of the Lord in vain is in my illustration with Texas Tech. I get mad at somebody and I say, Texas Tech, or Tech darn it, right? Many people do use the name of Jesus Christ as an expletive. They use the name of God in which to curse someone or something else. The most common phrase, you know, uh, that we think of when we do this is someone who says, oh my God, Oh my God, oh my God, over and over and over and over again. And that's the one, that's like the, that's like the low-hanging fruit. That's the kindergarten of keeping this commandment, brothers and sisters. If you're like, well, I don't say, oh my God, so I'm good to go. You, you've, you've missed the point of this command. And yes, by the way, I do believe that all of those are violations of the third commandment. And that you shouldn't use those words as exclamations. But remember how we said this word is translated? The word take? I think this is critical to understanding the significance of this command. To, to take the name is to bear the name, to carry the name. I believe that we should understand taking the Lord's name as meaning, meaning more than just speaking it out loud. One of the best illustrations I could think of, apart from the Texas Tech illustration. When Angie and I were married, Angie took the name McMorris. She didn't do so in vain. Her life changed significantly. She is now in an exclusive relationship. She shares a home with me. She shares children with me. She shares life with me. She shares finances with me. She didn't, she didn't take the name McMorris in vain. It changed her life. It affected every area of her life. It brought, I hope I'm not like a weight in her life, but it brought weightiness. She's not feeling well this morning. She's at home, so she might say that it did bring a weight into her life. It changed everything for her. She took the name McMorris in a way that was weighty. Jen Wilkin, in her excellent little book on the Ten Commandments, says, we, we speak hallowed words while living hollow lives. Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm a tech fan. Friends, one of the most concerning things for me is the number of people who seem to have taken the name of the Lord in vain. And I don't mean saying, oh my God. I mean people who have said, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. And they live like the tech fan. Their lives are not changed. People believe that 
since they went to one game five years ago that they are now a tech fan. People believe that since they prayed a prayer as a child at a church service years ago that they are children of God. And you can become a genuine child of God that way. Many of us did. But to, but to then live lives where we're not carrying the name of the Lord in a way that is weighty and that changes us is taking the Lord's name in vain. Nowhere in Scripture are we told that the evidence of being a Christian is that one prayed a prayer. The evidence is in a life of a person who has taken the name of the Lord and it has been weighty. It has, and when I say weighty, I don't mean um, depressing and somber and, right? Christians of all people should be the ones jumping in the air, clicking their heels together and partying their way till heaven gets here. Because we, we, like, that's weighty too. To live like people who can see, that's weighty. Taking the name of the Lord changes you. Like the change that happens when a wife takes a name in marriage. Your life changes. You are now in an exclusive relationship. You share life with this God. Your finances are shared. Your life is shared. You, you don't take the name of Yahweh in vain. It isn't empty and meaningless and temporary. It changes everything for you. And in the words of one famous theologian, Jerry Edmonds, if you take his name, you are responsible for your content. I tweaked it just a little bit. I'm going to tweak it just a little bit. If you take his name, you are responsible for his content. I think that's still the same heart. If, if you take, that's Jerry, by the way, that's the theologian I'm quoting. If you take his name, you are responsible for his content. If I take the name Texas Tech, I, I, I've got to be in some way responsible for the content. I need to have some Red Raider stuff. It's Red Raider, right? That's like the guy, right? right? So if I was just like, you know, Red Raider, right? That was, that's the expletive uh, for a Texas Tech fan. If I take the name McMorris and am completely unchanged by that reality, then I've taken the name in vain. Do my illustrations make sense? I hope they make sense. Brothers and sisters, taking the name of the Lord in vain, yes, you shouldn't say, oh my God, that's not a good way for you to express yourself. And there's probably all of us in here at one point or another who have done this. And by the way, I was talking through this with my children yesterday, and they were like, well, like if you if you're talking to God and you're praying to God, can you say, oh my God? And I was like, yes, that's, that's taking his name meaningfully. That, that's the opposite of taking his name in vain when you say, oh my God, I love, and I have some, some friends who I think use it, especially some of, well, yeah, some of my friends who have used the phrase, oh my God, in ways that I've realized, oh, actually, they, they're not taking his name in vain. They're taking his name meaningfully. They mean, oh God, you're wonderful when they say it in that way. If you take his name in vain, you are, or excuse me, if you take his name, you are responsible for his content. So do you see how this now confronts us, but it also instructs us? We have the privilege of living as God's people. His commandments are good for us. We follow his ways because we delight to do so. His commandments are not grievous to those who love him. 
And finally, the third word and Christ. The third word and Christ. So we learned about God, we've learned about ourselves, and now let's make this a just decidedly and devoutly Christian sermon. As we look to Christ, let's remember that we, we're guilty of taking the name of the Lord in vain. I talked about using uh, the name of God to, to swear falsely by his name or to use his name in a meaningless way or to use his name as an expletive or to take his name upon you and then live a life that's unchanged by it. Brothers and sisters, I've broken all of those ways of taking the Lord's name in vain. I've broken all of them. And several of them I break regularly. I did this morning. We, we've, and, and, and the passage not only gives us an instruction, but, and not all of the passages have this, but it also gives us a warning. Verse 7 says, For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. God, God doesn't miss this. Look in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. So there are people who take the Lord's name, and it's in vain. Verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. What are they doing? They're taking his name. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. I understand Matthew 7, 21 better than I ever have now that I've studied Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. Matthew 7, 21 makes sense to me now in a way that it never did until I understood that these people in Matthew chapter 7 are people who are guilty of having taken the name of the Lord in vain. They've taken, oh yeah, we do your spiritual stuff, Lord, Lord, you're, you're, but they haven't done the will of the Father. And what Exodus chapter 20 verse 7 is saying is this, when you take the name of the Lord, when you bring, uh, when you carry Yahweh as your name now, it brings weightiness into your life and it changes who you are from the inside out. And again, if you're here more than two Sundays in a row, you, you, this is clear to you, but if, if you're a guest with us this morning, one does not become a child of God by doing anything. Salvation is a free gift of God offered through his son, Jesus Christ. So you don't work your way to earn favor with God. But when God does save you freely by, your, by his grace through your faith, when God saves you, he does change us from the inside out where we now want to be. So if someone says, I'm saved by God, but I don't want to follow him. I don't want to be like him. I, I don't want to carry his name. There's, there's no such creature. There are people who carry his name in vain, and they will hear in Matthew chapter 7, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness, into everlasting judgment. I never knew you. They had carried the name of the Lord in vain. Where does this bring us to Christ? It's because in Jesus Christ, there was finally a man who perfectly kept this third word. 
Jesus perfectly keeps the third instruction. You and I break it. Israel broke it. You and I break it. Jesus comes on the scene, and for 33 years, he perfectly keeps this third word. John chapter 7 describes him as this. No one ever spoke like this man. So Jesus' words, he never took the name of the Lord in vain. He's described as the word of God. He is the word of God. There was no deceit found in his mouth. He takes the name of the Lord and he carries the name of the Lord with full weightiness all 33 years of his life. He lives like the tech fan was supposed to live and like a McMorris is supposed to live. God, Jesus takes upon, he carries the name of the Lord and never does so in vain and always does so in a way that is meaningful and weighty. Jesus lives a life that is perfectly shaped by living as though God is real and powerful and weighty. Jesus is the full expression of the name of God. Don't take the name of the Lord meaninglessly. Don't take it in vain. Jesus comes and he is, not only does he keep this command, but he actually, catch this, he is the name of the Lord. He is the name of the Lord. Jesus is the name of the Lord. In Philippians chapter 2, well, yeah, in Philippians chapter 2, 9 through 11, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus keeps the command. He is the fulfillment of the command. Jesus is the name of the Lord. So when you bow the knee to him as your Lord and Savior, okay, I'm trying to build us to a moment of like, are you ready? Get ready. This is, this is so awesome. When you, when you bow the knee to Jesus, you are keeping this third instruction to the fullest. When you call upon Jesus, the name of Jesus, to be your Lord and Savior, that's how you and I, Keep this third command to the absolute fullest. Now, we'll still struggle. We'll still sin. We'll trip up. But the way for you and I to keep, Jesus kept it perfectly. We'll never keep it perfectly. But the way that we keep it to the fullest is by calling upon the name of Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior. And for many, if not most of you in here, you have done that and you struggle like any of us do on a daily basis of taking the Lord's name in vain. But you're not carrying his name in a completely vain way. There may be some in here this morning who you do think, well, I've taken the name of the Lord on and then you've lived a life completely in vain. You have not been changed by the weightiness of God then let me tell you, I don't want you to end up like those in Matthew chapter 7 who stand before God and say, oh yeah, I took your name. And God says, no, you didn't. It didn't change your life. You didn't do the will of my Father. I don't want there to be anyone in here like that. And if you're in here this morning and you think, that, that may be me. I, I don't want to be self-deceived, but 
I mean, I say I'm a Christian, but I don't act like one. I say I'm a tech fan, and I don't have, I mean, I don't have any tech. I don't know anything about tech. There will be people who took his name and will die and be separated from him. They, they took, but they took his name in vain. Don't be one of those people. And if you are here this morning and you just know, I've just, I've just never taken his name. I've never called upon Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. Then today can be your day of salvation. All you have to do is call upon him, ask him to forgive you of your sins, and put your faith in him as your Savior. And he will save you. He will come in and his, his glory will be weighty and will change you. So don't be like the tech fan. And when we do this, Sinners, when we carry the name of the Lord our God with weightiness, sinners see that God changes us and they too believe and they take the name of the Lord and they take it in a way that is meaningful. They, take, they call upon Jesus and they too keep the third command. Remember, these instructions, they, they're for the abundant life. So let's not limit this incredible instruction for an abundant life. Let's not limit it to, you can't say, oh my God. You shouldn't say, oh my God. This command is infinitely, infinitely more than that. Friend, take the name of the Lord meaningful, meaningfully. Identify yourself as a child of the king of the universe, and then by his grace and by his power and by his might, you will live powerfully changed and empowered by him. This isn't simply a command forbidding expletives. It's a wonderful instruction for a blessed life now. And Revelation says this, that there is coming a day, there is coming a day where those who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name, for you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. That's what eternity will be like. All nations will come and will glorify the name of the Lord. That's, that's what eternity is going to be. And may it be on earth as it is in heaven. May this sanctuary be full of people who take the name of the Lord in a meaningful way. Again, we're not going to do so perfectly, but by his grace, we can make huge strides in doing so. And may this eternal scene break into the here and now. May it be on earth as it is in heaven. I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and the music team will now come. And there may be some in here this morning who this sermon has unsettled because you think, well, I thought I took the name of the Lord, but I still struggle with sin. I am not talking about those of you who may still struggle with sin. There's no such thing as a sinlessly perfect Christian on this side of eternity. I'm talking about the person who thinks they've taken the Lord as their Savior because they signed a card or prayed a prayer or went to a religious service at one point, and now they think that they are, uh, that, that they have the name of the Lord, but, they're, but you're carrying it in vain. And if that's you this morning and you even just have questions about that, please see me, see Pastor Will. We, we would love to visit with you about that. I'll stay here until everybody's gone this morning and would love to talk with you about that. You can reach out to me this week. I would not encourage you to wait 
on that, though, I would, I would encourage you to visit and talk with someone about that sooner rather than later. If you're here this morning and you know you've never taken the name of the Lord and you want to, you, can, you truly can do that right now, even in your seat. If you'd like to talk with someone about that, I would love to visit with you about that. And for, the, for, for many in here this morning who are followers of God, God may have convicted you in some specific point this morning about how you have taken the name of the Lord in vain and how God would have you seek greater obedience and, and a more blessed life in taking the name of God in a meaningful and weighty way. I'm just going to ask the music team, if they would, to play through the song, the first verse, just play through it quietly. And then after they play through the first verse, Josh, if you would um, have a stand and then we'll sing that song and then Pastor Will will come and close our service in prayer.